The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The idea of America versus world history. Alex Jones versus Apple and Facebook. The real problem with Alex Jones. And Americans can't name the five freedoms in the First Amendment. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a wonderful and blessed weekend or week whenever you're listening to this show. We've got a lot to discuss with you today, but before we get to the news of the day, before we get to what's been driving social media and the media and the buzz and all the talking heads this week, I need to take a step back and go through history with you. And this is something I'm starting to do a lot more because I want to share why America is exceptional because a lot of people don't seem to understand it anymore or they don't want to understand it. So I want to share the history of the world with you yet again in very simple and complex ways. To show you and highlight why America is different. Why America is different to the rest of the world. And then when we have this foundation, this will be our platform for today's show. I want to talk to you about the news of the day and two things that are not being covered. So let's get to the history of the world. I call it utopian statism. This is what the world has It comes in many different forms, under many different labels, whether you were a king, whether you were a pharaoh, whether you had a dynasty, whether you had an empire, whether you were a dictator, whether you were an oligarch, whether you were a theocrat, whether you believe in certain ideologies that you see today, whether it's, you know, you're a Marxist, whether you're a communist, whether you're a socialist, you're seeing this buzzword today, democratic socialist. You're seeing this, and this is becoming a big buzzword that it's, you know, well, of course we're democratic socialists. It's the people are taking their hoods off. What do you have? Whether you're progressive, that's more of an older thing that's going away. And what do you even believe in postmodernism? What do you believe in, you know, some of the bad ideologies of the day that caused World War II, whether it's Nazism, whether it's fascism, whether it's populism, whether it's tribalism, whether it's nationalism, whether it's democracy, and every other offshoot that comes from them. All of those can be quite simply pushed in one label, as far as I'm concerned. It is utopian statism. That's what Aristotle called it. He called it statism. And the reason I say you can put them all, regardless of what label they use or what time you use, you can use the word statism, it's because they all believe in some empowerment of the state. That is what the world knows. Whether the state is the king, whether he's a pharaoh, whether he's a a dictator, or whether it's just a democratically elected, you know, or like a Roman senate, or whether it's like a senate that you have in America today, or a parliament that they have in Great Britain, it's all coming under statism. And all this statism has certain common themes 
They might differ, they might use different words or different terminologies, but they all believe in the core principle. And that core principle, in very simple terms, is tyranny. Or if you want to be more accurate, maybe they believe in controlling you. They believe they know what's best. They believe they are the moral arbiters of society and that how through central planning of the state, whether it's through one body or three bodies or a hundred bodies, that through the central planning of the state, they can make your life better. This is the history of the world. They also see things through the eyes of a collective mindset. They see things not through, not through an individualist mindset, but through a collective mindset, through labels even, through classes. You see this in England, the old, the old joke of, you know, well, I'm upper class and, you know, I have a crick in my neck because I'm always looking down on the, the lower class and the middle class guy. And then the middle class guy is like, well, I have an even bigger pain in my neck because I have to look up to you and I have to look down on the guy in the lower class. And then the lower class guy is, I'm just me. I just I don't look down on anybody. If you if you remember, there was a and a famous John Cleese skit about this in the eighties. I think it was about middle class. But you also see this through titles. So there's class system where you have classes through you know whether it's um, they're all linked to Marxism, whether it's upper, lower, middle class, whether it's the proletariat, proletariat and the bourgeoisie. You know the bourgeoisie, the greedy capitalist, the landowner. Or whether it's through a system of titles or through a a title that you have or, or a thing that you can claim that makes you somehow better than other people. You see this in America today. You see this very much in your educational standards. You know, if you go to just picture someone who went to the local community college and got like a really good degree and got a good grade point average. And then you get someone from Harvard who did a similar course with a similar grade point average. Who's to, who do you think is going to look down on the other? Do you think the community college guy's going to go, hey, I'm better than you, buddy. I went, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to the community college. Or do you think the guy from Harvard is, oh, well, I just, I went to Harvard. I went to Harvard for four years, and you little peasant went to the, the local community school. You see this. This is not new to society. This is the world. You know, back in old times, like in the in the turn of the turn of the decade on Turner turn of the millennia, I should say, sorry, you had people, if you had a certain position in society, you had a certain job, you were automatically deemed more noble, more, you know, more important than others. You know, if you read any part of history, you read how a doctor's treated or how a lawyer's treated in society and how like a local farmer or a peasant on a farm was treated. They were treated differently. You hear this phrase now, but the way a lot of these people ruled... It's become popular today, the common good. All these rulers ruled for the common good of what they deemed was best for society. They always said, look, I've got this plan, and if we just pass these rules, it's best for everyone. Sure, it may screw like 5% of the population, but it's best for the 95, and that's what matters. It's for the common good. Then you fast forward onto, and I always say this, which always annoys people on the left, people in the Republican Party who are progressives who don't understand why America is exceptional, but also to the rest of the world, to people who engage me who don't like what I say. I always go, look, I can factually prove to you why America is different. Factually prove it to you. And I'm not going to prove it to you. You're going to prove it to yourself. 
Because one of the things that made America exceptional is if you think of, let's just take an arbitrary point in time. I always take this time. It's zero AD. And the reason I always take it is because unless you are living in uh, North Korea, you think this is August in 2018. The date may differ depending on what date you listen. But on Saturday, it's the 11th. The 11th of August, 2018. You all believe in that date, so you believe in Anno Domini, whether you, whether you are a Christian, whether you're a, an atheist, doesn't matter. You believe, you go by that timescale. Go from 0 AD to 1800 AD. And take any segment of society. Don't let me choose for you. You pick your own segment of society. And look at the advancements. Go study it. Go research it. I challenge you, if you've never done this, go do it. Or go tell a friend to do it. Now, focus in on the exact same segment of society... From 1808 D to 2018 to today. Why is it that every fraction of society has benefited and improved, not just two or three times over, but sometimes a thousand, ten thousand times over in the last 218 years compared to the prior 1800s? Why? Why is that? Because there are certain reasons for that. If you read anything about history... In some ways, there was no incentive to be better. There was no incentive to be an inventor, to be, you know, to put your leg on the line and go, hey, I'm going to open this business, and I, I, I think there's this niche in the market. I think I could make some money. There was no incentive to do that. You never really read in the olden times of stories from rags to riches. You never really hear the stories, you know, there are a few, but you never hear, they're not commonplace like they are in America, where you hear this story where, you know, this young person was born into a broken home, was born into extreme poverty, there were times that this person never ate, you know, went to the poorest school, and now all of a sudden they're a multi-multi-millionaire and probably in the the top 0.01% of wealth earners in the world. Why is that? There was no upward mobility. A lot of times the class you were born into was the class you stayed in. And if you did have mobility in classes, it was downward. You then had the culture, which is I am very familiar with, to this day of tearing people down. You see this through the media. You see this through your politics. We've got to tear you down. You're becoming too successful. You're too big. We've got to tear you down. There's not that, it's not that you've done anything wrong or anything that you, we don't like. It's just you've become too successful. You've become too big for your britches. I think you have that saying over there. We have it over here anyway. You're too big for your britches. We need to tear you down a peg or two. We need to get you humbled. Some questions that, you know, if you want to make this very simplified. With the exception of America, questions that you need to consider. Who controls you? Who controls your possessions? Who controls your labor? And who controls your rights? Because regardless of what time you lived in, regardless of what country you lived in, regardless of what ideology or what type of government you had set up, the answers to a lot of those questions were not you, they were the government. Because you see, regardless of the ideology or the people in power, Back in the old days, and to this day in places like Ireland, Europe, Asia, government holds all the power. There is no limit on government. The limit on government is what the limit government sets itself. 
It says we'll, we'll only do these things. We'll only do ABC. But if the government wakes up tomorrow and goes, hey, you know what? It's a really good idea to do XYZ. And if it's passed by enough people, it can happen. Now, sure, there are some controls. Like in Ireland, if that happened, there'd be a control of the... the there would probably be a, a, a mock, a quick election. Because there'd be such an outcry for it, and it would probably happen. But if that party regained power, then guess what? It's legal. You know, I always say this to people. People always talk to me about Hitler being a bad guy. I get it. I, I have been very outspoken about Hitler being a bad guy. The biggest crime Hitler ever did, that the world should know, was everything he did was legal. Everything Hitler did was technically legal. That's the thing when you empower the state. When there is no limit to government. You also have to understand that government, especially true kings and queens, make government the ultimate authority. There is no higher power than whether you've got a king or whether you've got a president or whether you've got a prime minister. There is no higher power. It's me. I'm the ultimate authority. Whether it's the military, I'm the ultimate authority. I'm the top general in the military. And lastly, you have to understand the view on life. You see, for the longest time, and pretty much since day one, life has been viewed as disposable. You know, you see countless examples of this through history. You saw it in World War II, where you were not part of the Aryan race. You're not superior, you're inferior. Just get rid of you. Oh, you see the world differently? Just get rid of you. Oh, you're a witch? Let's burn you. You've always had people throughout this world, like Ber- George Bernard Shaw, who Ireland still memorializes. Oh, what a great guy George he was. No, he was a punk. How dare we say what a great guy he is when he, and I quote, dared say, Sir or madam, would you kindly justify your existence? Life has always been deemed as disposable. Even if you read Karl Marx, you know that, that person who wrote the Communist Manifesto, that all of a sudden, certain parts of the media are going crazy about, well, you know, let's, let's, you know it's, it's time we looked, took a relook at Karl Marx. Yeah, let's have a relook at some of his words and what he called the lumpen proletariat. You know those people, they're those, 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 they're not the workers of the world, they're the lumpen proletariat. You know, the infirm, the prisoners, all those, those, those undesirables. Go read some of the stuff. Life has always been viewed as disposable. Even going back to kings and queens, when they would fight wars, they would fight wars and it's obviously go back to the old days, I'm not talking the last 50 years or 100 years, I'm talking about 200 years, 300 years, 400 years ago, where if you had a problem with a country, you'd go on one side of the field and then you'd, the other, other army would be on the other side of the field and then you'd have tactics and you know basically last team won. The, what was commonplace, especially from, let's just talk about England, what was common, folk is the first people running out there were just sent to their slaughter. In some cases, a lot of those people were Irish people when it was the British army, because the Irish didn't count. They're not, they're not part of the empire, they're just, they're stupid Irish little peasants, just send the Irish peasants out to their slaughter. And if they kill, you know, if we lose 10,000 or 1,000 Irish people and they kill 100 of their people, well, then that's great, they've, they've lived for something. We've never viewed life as precious. You took fast forward to modern day. Look at what's happening with the abortion industry. Life is precious? I don't think so. 
You have people like in Iceland claiming how getting rid of Down syndrome, how eradicating Down syndrome through abortion is something wonderful. That is the history of the world. Why is America exceptional? America is exceptional because it is the exact opposite of that. Where the world knows tyranny and control, the idea of America, an idea that your forefathers never quite grasped or got to live, and truly you've never lived since, but it is still spoken about and hopefully one day you will fulfill that promise. That idea, that wonderful idea your founders envisaged of a world truly meant to be free. You had free people. Society where the rest of the world was all about the collective. Your society was based around the individual and their rights. America didn't believe in a class system. It used to mock the class system. I know this poem is getting butchered by people in the media these days, but Emma Lazarus, that is the biggest slam on Europe and the rest of the world that you can think of. That's a slam on their class system. What it is saying is, when it's saying, give me your tired, your poor, and your huddled masses yearning to be free, that's saying, you know everybody in your society, Europe? You know everybody in your society that you say can't make it? They're just lower class. They're lumping proletariat. They're just going to never amount to nothing because they don't have the right ethics. They don't have the right breeding. They don't come from the right postal address. They don't come from the right parents, and they don't sure as hell don't have the right education. You know all those people you think, because because you are so into central planning, are destined to fail. You know those people? Give them to me. Give them to me and I will give them an opportunity. Because here in America, the idea of America, we don't believe in any of that. We believe, as Martin Luther King said, I will judge someone by the content of their character. That is what an idea of America is about. And we don't have titles. We don't have titles. We don't have any of these lords and earls like you do in Britain, even to this day. And we don't have knights and OBEs and MBEs and all these different titles. We'll call our top dog our, in our constitution the guy who's going to be our girl, who will be the, you know, the, the figurehead of the American government. We'll call them the president. And why will we call them the president? Because it's the lowest title of the day that we can find. We don't have kings or queens or earls or dukes here. We have presidents. Now, I know modern-day people think president is a powerful title, but 1700s, it wasn't. The, one of the biggest reasons America was successful, that idea, was this understanding that the state can't steal your ideas. But there's that common incentive to be better. Going back to that example I asked you earlier on. Think of any part of society. Why did things get better? Because the idea of America incentivized you. It incentivized you to be better. It said, okay, you have this great idea. Cool, go for it. You're free to go for it. I don't care what your, what your education is. I don't care what your, what your family background is. Heck, I don't even care what color you are, what religion you are. I don't, none of that's a matter. All that matters is this. Can you get people to part with their hard-earned money to buy your product or service? And if you can, you can be successful. And guess what? You have the incentive that says, not only are we not going to steal your ideas from you, but and you can protect them, but if you do get people to part with their hard-earned money, you get to keep it. 
It's your fruits of your labor. Ideally, if I have to give this a term, it's in your Declaration of Independence. You get to pursue your happiness. You're not the, it's not decided for you what you can do. You get to decide that. And if you want to go do crazy things, you want to go walk on the moon, go for it. You want to go be a teacher, go for it. You want to go just work in the local 7-Eleven, go for it. Pursue your happiness. You want to go be a writer, do it. You want to be a podcaster, do it. Pursue your happiness. Because the idea of America lifts people up. You celebrate people who came from bad backgrounds, from adversity, who overcame us. One of the things I love about your society so much is that you always love, you know, if there's stories that always I love and I know your nation loves because you see it through ratings and sharings and stuff, is where people have a second chance. And they take that second chance and they run with it. In other cultures, it's you make a mistake, but you're dead. You're gone. See you. Done. Adios. Thanks for playing. Bye. You love comeback stories. You love this idea of failing and falling on your face and then going, okay, you know what? I failed. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to wipe the dust from my feet and I'm going to give it another good old try. And there isn't any part, though, this is changing with social media, but there isn't any part of your society called oh, you're a failure. Or who would hold that failure against you. Going back to the questions I asked you about the world, the difference about America is who controls you? The world and history, government, or those in power. America, the answer is you. You control you. You are an individual. Who controls your possessions? You do. You get the right to keep the fruits of your labor. And if you get become a multi, multi, multi-trillion dollar... Apple just became the first company ever to be listed as a trillion dollar company. Awesome. I can't wait to see the company, first company that gets listed as a $10 trillion company or a $100 trillion company. It's going to be awesome. Who controls your labor? You do. Now, I know there's rules on the books that says you don't, but the idea of America says you control your labor. It's one of the biggest reasons Obamacare and socialized medicine does not work. And who controls your rights? You do. You have your rights. And government's job is not to give you rights. It's to protect your rights. That is the fundamental difference. Who holds the power? That's Why do you think I finish the show the same way I do every week? Who holds the power? You do. What makes America exceptional isn't Donald Trump, isn't Barack Obama, isn't George Bush, it isn't Ronald Reagan. Heck, as much as I love the guy, it wasn't Calvin Coolidge or Ronald or George Washington or Ronald Reagan. They don't make America exceptional. Your, your House and your Senate don't make America exceptional. Because here's the thing, spoiler alert, if, if your exceptionality runs in through your Congress... You're one of the worst countries maybe in the world. Now, you're not quite at the lower end, but you're not quite the best. And there's nothing exceptional about you. Your House and your Senate are just like any other parliament in Europe and in the world and in the United Nations. A joke. And that's the sad truth. But you're, the power does not run through change does not run through your government. It runs through each and every one of you. It's why I finish my, the show the same way I do every week. 
If you have heard nothing I talk about, if you disliked all the stories and disagreed with every principle I say, I hope you hear this. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That is who you are. Power lies in your hands. Change comes from you. You go out and change the world. You have this great product that will make our world better. Go for it. Do it. You, you want to go volunteer? Do it. In the rest of the world, can we change the world? Yes. Can we do things? Can we volunteer? Yes. But to a lot of people, the mindset is, why isn't government fixing that? There's a homeless epidemic in Ireland right now. Now, it's, the numbers have gone down since last, uh, since last winter. But it's still at really high numbers. And the academic is, the, the questions, I listen to debate after debate on the radio when I'm driving in the car... Well, what? why isn't the government spending more? Why isn't the government doing this? Why isn't the government passing these policies? Why isn't the government... There is no self-reflection that kind of goes, well, hey, wh- why aren't people doing more? Why aren't, why aren't churches doing more? Heck, if you want to use that line, why aren't churches doing more? If you really want to hate religion and pound the Catholic Church, there's a great line. Why aren't the Catholic Church stepping up? Even if I would hate that debate, I would hate the, the premise of that debate, but at least to be honest... No one's doing it. Just Let's just call out the government. Government is always the, the solution. The central planners will fix every problem. Who is the ultimate authority in America? People will say God. If you're a Christian, absolutely. But the great thing about America, and your, the founders were so wise about this, they didn't make it about God because they knew that would be divisive. They knew, well, well what about other people? What about atheists? What about deists? What about Jews? You know, we can't go around talking about Jesus. And then if you're going about Christian God, well, what about Jews? Are they going to come along with the whole Christian thing? They spoke about nature's law and nature's God. That idea of nature's law and nature's God, that there is an ultimate authority. That ultimate authority might be Jesus for me. It might be God for you. It might be Allah for someone else. It might be a rock for someone else. It might be Mother Nature for someone else. It's cool. Nature's law and nature's God. They are consistent. And ultimately, an idea that Americans never quite grasped, that life is precious. Life is precious. You know, whether you want to believe it or not, each and every one person living today, regardless of their race, regardless of their creed, regardless of their background, regardless of who they sleep with or who they don't sleep with, regardless of their job, their income, regardless of who they voted for in the last election, their life is precious. Their life has meaning. They can change the world. Yes, even Democrats. Yes, even Hillary Clinton herself, as much as I despise her, has that potential inside of her. Life is precious. Life is a fundamental, beautiful thing. And it is different for everyone. That is why America is different. Now, to those, when I say this to people, especially overseas, and if they understand anything about America today, they always go, oh, John, that, that sounds great. That's, oh, yeah, tell me another one. America's exceptional. Oh, yeah, you're, America's just like us now. And they laugh at you and they mock you. As if there is something to be mocked. Because instead of actually talking about what I've just addressed and going, okay, I've just laid out what 
it's in a simple few minutes why idea America is exceptional. That idea. They always laugh, you know, when I talk about the founding fathers, you know, liberals and Democrats do as well. You know, you talk about life being precious and, you know, freedom and rah, 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 and your constitution. But they were all slaveholders. We've dealt with that as well. America has never fulfilled its promise. America wrote a check at the Declaration of Independence that has never truly been cashed in by millions and millions of Americans throughout the years. But at least you still have written that check. I believe one day you will become good on it. But to those who mock you, to those who are, oh, John, that's such a, that's such a load of hogwash. First of all, I challenge you to debate me on the idea of America. Why were the founders wrong? In what words, in what words do you disagree with? But secondly... You mock America for not living up to its potential. At least America has put this into words. Where's your words? What have you ever done? Instead, the world right now, instead of talking about freedom and the idea of America and debating individual liberty and individual right, we are at a time where people are now renaming old crappy ideologies from the past to give them a new flavor, to hip them up for the kids. We have democratic socialism. Yippee. We have postmodernism. Woohoo. And all these ideas will all bubble around the surface and will change names and they'll come out with their fancy catchphrases and it will all sound great. But at the end of the day, all it is is repackaging a same crappy ideology the world has known since day one. Statism. Sure, it might come in different flavors and, and different colors for different people. And it might have different, slightly different policies, but the principles will still be the same. It will still be about control. It will still be about empowering government. It will still be about dehumanizing the individual. It will still be about telling people they don't pay their fair share and how the central planners, whether they're true politicians or true environmental agencies or other agencies belonging to the federal government, that they need to rule for the common good and for the majority And where we will always tear people down that we don't like. You can name it anything you want. You can change your policies and reword them and spin them real good because they poll test well with people. The end of the day, it's still the same crappy ideology. Statism. Now is the time to really influence people. By giving them a difference. The idea of America. Because the idea, while never really fulfilled in its entirety, is still an empowering, amazing idea. And an idea that can and must change the world once again. That is the foundation for today's show. When we come back, we're going to talk about the one of the biggest stories of the week. And I can't believe we're going to talk about it, this individual. It's the first time I think I've ever spoken about him on this show. And God willing, it will be the last. What happened to Alex Jones this week? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't 
miss the morning blaze with Doc. Buddhist? There we go. Much better. Buddhist Republicans, <laughs> Sikh Republicans, bad faith. I mean, if you most of them are Christian, that's the good faith to them. Then yes, is that what he's saying? Yes, I guess. Or does he mean like disingenuous, or they're not helping people enough? Is that? Can we get the dictionary okay. again? No, seriously. Speaking that <laughs> called us out. I think we need it. The Morning Blaze, weekday morning, six to nine Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media: Twitter at Freedom Disciple, Jonathan Dunn fifty eight on Facebook. Drop me a message, look me up, give me a follow, send me a friend request. I love engaging with you guys. It's it's great to be back. Um, the last two, when I was on holidays for two weeks, I was really quiet and just was. I missed y'all, and even I missed the people who tell me I suck. Yes, you know who you are. So this week, the biggest story I think I saw, especially in the start of the week, was Alex Jones. In case you were living under a rock, Alex Jones has a site and a platform called Infowars, and he says a lot of... I'm trying to be nice here. I'll be nice and say controversial stuff. He was a 9-11 truther. Um, he believes Sandy Hook was a staged government op... op. Um, loads of different things. All loads of good, fun stuff. This week, he lost his platforms. It started, I think it was Buzz, BuzzFeed broke the news on Monday that he had lost his platform, and I think it was Apple, and Facebook had removed him as well. And there's a lot of outrage. I've listened to a lot of coverage about this issue, and i got to be honest, I'm going to break down this for you, and I'm going to ask you some questions that are not going to be popular. But I I really think this needs to be discussed in a principled way. First off, we need to understand one thing. The amount of people I heard say this week something along the lines of, Well, John, he has a First Amendment right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. The Constitution and his First Amendment rights have absolutely nothing to do with this case. But, but Johnny, you're, they're shutting him. Constitution and the First Amendment has nothing to do with this case. I see this all the time by people on, on Twitter and, and Facebook where they call the fascist book. They go, well, Facebook is stomping on my freedom of speech. You don't have a freedom of speech on Facebook. I'm sorry to tell you, you don't. You don't have a First Amendment right on Facebook. If you, if you do say this, I'm sorry, you need to relearn the Constitution and you really need to reread the Bill of Rights and actually sit down and reread it. It's government infringing on freedom of speech. So first off, we need to get that out of the way. First question. Do I support free speech? Absolutely. I believe in the principle of free speech. I actually believe when it comes to commentary and it comes to ideas and and what we do here, I believe in more voices, not less. Even crazy voices like Alex Jones. I believe in letting the marketplace decide these issues. I believe in trusting the people. Which is what your founders did. Trust the individual. Let the individual decide what they want. If they want to purchase something, if they think Alex Jones is great, go at it. Have at it. Do you think NPR is great? Well, NPR is not a good example. That's government, sorry. But if you think MSNBC is great, go for it. If Rachel Maddow is your, your, your soul sister, 
Okay, go for it. If you think Mark Levin is your constitutional hero, go for it. If you love Sean Hannity defending Donald Trump and he, no one does it better, go for it. Ever who's up to, you know, that's the great thing. If you if you love people who talk in a, in a sexy accent, huh? come to me. <laughs> I do support free speech. However, second question. Does a company have a right to decide how they run their business? Does a company have a right to say what happens on their platform? Yes, they do. Goes back to the idea of America. You have a right to control your labor. You have a right to control who you serve and who you don't. Now, people have said to me, well, John, this is different because I brought up the, I had a conversation with someone and I was like, well, the gay wedding cake, you're all against that. Well, that was different. They, they were actually given a service. They're not given. There is no labor. I get the whole, you have a right to the fruits decide who you serve. But this is not, they're not serving. They're not doing anything. He's just using their platform. Exactly. He's using their platform. He's using their platform. He is using something, their labor. They, their R&D went into it. Their time, their effort, their skills, their money went into creating iTunes or Facebook. And that is their labor. And their continuous labor because it continuously updates. And to make things available. And to have a system where all the algorithms work. That is their labor. The thing that troubled me this week is... This case is very complex. Because so many people today don't like saying this. The answer is complicated and you're not going to like it. Also, other people don't like saying this that... You know what? It does, the answer to this does not fit in a shiny box. In a little box that we can just tuck away and go, hey, this is the answer. Because both sides have a right. Next question is, okay, John, well, they, yeah, okay, Alex Jones has a right to free speech and you're saying more voices, not less. And you're also saying, well, the company also has a right to control their labor and their services. So whose rights are more important? If I was on the left or I was a utopian statist, I would sit back and go, well, I suppose this all depends on one question. What's the common good? Which is more important, the right to have a company control its own labor or a right to free speech? And I could even make a constitutional argument go, well, you know, a constitutional argument for free speech is there in the First Amendment, John. There is no right to keep your labor. The answer is... No one's rights are more important than others. This is not a common good game. This is not a game of, well, my rights are more important than yours, or I have a more important right, or I'm more important to society than you. So no rights are more responsible or more important than anyone else's. If you think they are, then you are fundamentally going against one of the tenets of the Declaration of Independence. Because if you're saying one set of rights are more important, you're saying not all men are created equal. The creator of Apple, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, have the same rights. Steve Jobs doesn't anymore because sadly he's passed on, but he has the same rights and is the same level and stature in society as Alex Jones's. Now, here's the problem, a couple of things I've seen. 
I'm very frustrated with the consistency of people in America right now. Because I remember last week, it was only last week or maybe two weeks ago, everyone was happy about James McGunn being fired from Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone was delighted about that. Everyone was thinking, that was awesome. That was brilliant. That was great. Yet this week we're outraged that Alex Jones was thrown off a network. Where's the consistency? Next question I'd like to ask you is does the company get to decide on how it looks, on its brand? Because this is something I haven't seen anyone discuss this week, I don't think. And if I have seen it, it's been very it's been a very mute point. But let's imagine you run a company, right? Let's say you run the equivalent to iTunes. Right? Just imagine yourself. Picture yourself. You're the CEO. You're the founder and creator and the CEO of this company. And it's as big as iTunes. It's as big as Apple. And everyone, everyone wants to be on your network. It's a worldwide platform for people to come and share their ideas. Now, have you pictured yourself that, as that person, as that CEO? I want you to think about some of the sh- these shows and see would you have them on your network. And go, you know what? W- would you be happy defending their right to free speech? A podcast on the struggles of ISIS in the Middle East and Africa. Heck, let's get even more specific. A podcast from Boko Haram, who kidnapped all those schoolgirls, highlighting them pledging their support to ISIS and the caliphate. Would you let that on your network? How about a podcast on eugenics? A podcast on abortion on demand of all ages, no limits. Not not this, you know, well, we just have up to 20 weeks. No, full abortion. Heck, not only abortion while you're pregnant, up till the second you deliver, like late-term abortions and everything, but how about a show on, you know what, I think you, because some people have suggested this in the past, I think you should be able to have an abortion until your child turns two years old, until it gets to a state of consciousness where it knows its own name and its surroundings and knows there's a tomorrow. Some people have suggested that in the past, by the way. Would you let that on your network? Would you be all about free speech? How about a, a set of videos or podcasts on your platform saying, you know what we need to do? Do you know what's really cool, America? We need to burn the flag more. And not only that, but we need to kneel for the national anthem. Would you let that on your network? And lastly, I'll give you an example to highlight an example this week. A company's been attacked this week, and I would imagine a large people who are attacking it online are conservatives. That company is TED. TED Talks. Because they've done a show, actually I think they've done two shows, where they've had quote-unquote experts say the following. It's time to understand pedophilia is a sexual orientation. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't. I try and do everything about this about principles. I'm going to share my opinion on this. One of the hardest things to do, and I'll, I can say this, I have ran different websites. I was head of radio for another company a year and a bit ago. 
one of the greatest things I'm most proud of in this, of my quote-unquote public career, is giving a platform to other people to get involved in the movement of freedom, to share the movement of freedom. But one of the most frightening things is when you give people, when I was at a radio, an open mic, especially for an hour, they could say anything. You know, it's easy to be a writer. No, it's not easy. It's it's very hard to be a writer, but it's very easy in that, you know, you can get really angry with writing and then you can rejig it and rehash it and calm down and cool down. But there's no temptation. It's very, you're all controlled. And you also have a control process in there where you have an editor. You have an editor go, hey, are you sure you want to say this? This doesn't sound too good. This is very unlike you. I think you might have been having a bad day. You might want to rewrite that. Great principles, but, you know, just... Just make it more factual-based or more, you know, less opinionated-based. Or, you know, you can give pieces of advice. I've done this as an editor. When you have an open mic and you have a live show and you have a whole hour, you know, it, it's there's a temptation just to say crazy stuff if, you, if, you are, if you're not who you are. If you are true to yourself and you this is who you are, you'll just be you. But if you're trying to be something else, you think, I, you know, the people want me to be a certain way. There's always that temptation. It's a big fear. And I know from running companies of, especially when you're in the public eye, as, as one of the more senior people in the company, know that dirt sticks through association. Well, you ran a show that said X, Y, Z, so you obviously think X, Y, and Z. Even though I have my own show, I'm with The Blaze, I have done countless speeches, written articles, done interviews, you can find what I say and my opinion on things wouldn't matter. You will let that person say something. So it's very hard to put yourself in that situation. Because it is a hard, tricky thing to do. I am for freedom of speech. But here's my last question on this one. Is freedom of speech absolute and everywhere? Because I'm going to say no. I don't believe in any government controlling a free speech. But I will say this. I don't know anyone who truly believes in absolutely free speech anytime, anywhere. And if they say they do, they're lying. Let me give you a very simple example. I believe in free speech. I believe in the First Amendment. I believe one of the things that defined my ideology was Voltaire. I may not like what you say, but I will die giving the fight for the right for you to say it. I believe that. I live that. I've defended crazy people in the past. At very unpopular times. I believe in more voices, not less. I think Alex Jones has a platform. If I'm saying Alex Jones deserves to say he has a right to freedom of speech, there is no one more crazier than in this world probably than Alex Jones. And I'm trying to think. I can't think of one. But here's where free speech is not an absolute right. At any time and any place. You don't come into my house. And start bashing America. Sorry you just don't do that. You're not going to come into my house. And bash my mother. Just it ain't going to. Just trust me. It ain't going to end well. It, it, it is not going to end well. It might start. With me telling you to shut the hell up. But it, it could escalate rather quickly. If you come into this house. And you start dissing God. It ain't going to end. That is, that's going to escalate quickly. 
I have no problem with people having different opinions, but if you come in and start being insulting and disrespectful, I'm not going to sit there, well, I know you're saying bad things about my mother and you're trashing America and you're trashing God, but you know, you have a right to say those things. And I'm going to say, this is my house. Get the hell out. You're welcome to those opinions. I don't care. Get the hell out of my house. You come in here and start spouting crazy stuff about Israel being an evil nation, get the hell out of my house. Sorry, I, I don't care about free speech. I'm gone. It's out of here. So is free speech important? Yes. But no rights. One, My right is not more important than yours. And I say this as someone who's currently listed on iTunes. Because here's where I want to finish. Because I want to actually talk to you about the real important issue of this story when we come back. But here's the one thing I will say. I get people's concern about this. I really do. I've been debating people online all week about this. And I get the frustration with Apple and iTunes. I do see the slippery slope. I do see the potential of, my God, you know, it starts with Alex Jones. And I do believe in the in the poem. First, they came for the trade unionists, and they said nothing because I wasn't a trade unionist. And eventually, they came for me, and there was no one left to fight for me. I get that. I totally get that, and I understand it. I get the frustration. I don't want anyone to be silenced. But it's about principles. It's not about emotions. And it is not about fairness. Fairness is a doctrine of statism or of the left. In doing what you think is good and fair, i.e. the common good. It is about the principle. And the principles of this story are twofold. Does Alex Jones have a right to free speech? But does a business have a right to control, to run their business how they want to do it? Even if it's unfair. I know my boss Glenn has been talking about this with the week and he's like, I just want to know the rules. I get that. And that is a totally logical thing to request. And to understand. I just want to know the rules. So that I know if I'm violating them or not. And I can make a decision if I'm going to violate them. Because something is worth it. I get that. That is a totally reasonable request from someone like Glenn. It is also totally understandable and principled for a company to go. Look, if you want to use my platform. I just I have a right to be a dictator. And throw you off my platform. No reasons asked. Because it's my labor. I don't have to be principled. I don't have to play by the rules. It is my platform. And I say this as someone who one day could be thrown off iTunes. Would that suck? Yes. Would it suck to be off Facebook? That one's a bit harder because as much as I love engaging with you on Facebook, there's a lot of drama on Facebook. My friends and people who I interact with on a regular basis, that's not for you. There's just other people who... People love drama on Facebook. I don't know what it is. People just... Uh, Facebook and social media is hard. Rationale just goes out the window, I think. But... I would miss Facebook. I'd miss engaging with each and every one of you. But do I have a right? No. I do not have a right to someone else's labor. But I know if you've been listening to this, you're kind of going, so how do you deal with this, John? And there lies the real problem with what's happening this week. And we're going to discuss that when we come back. Don't go anywhere, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, this show is on every major platform out there. A new show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Omni FM, Player FM, Castbox. We're, if it's if it's there, please share it. It's on Freedom Disciple. Share it with a family and a friend. We've got a lot of exciting shows coming up, including a big guest in about two weeks, I think. I have to confirm a date. You're not going to want to miss the guest I've lined up for this show. This I'm really excited, uh, but more details on that to follow. So what is the real issue with fate, with Alex Jones this week? And this is an important conversation that we need to have, and I'm going to ask for your patience for me to lay this out for you. Because I'm going to use certain terms that are in the industry, and I'm going to explain them to you, and you may not have never heard of them before, but I'm going to take my time and go through it very slowly with you. The biggest problem that we have is the exact opposite to what I've seen some conservatives call for this week. Some conservatives this week have said, you know, well, look, do you know what we need to do? You, we need to look more voices, not less. You're the one who says this, John. We need all these companies to be made public utilities. And then if they're made public utilities, they're under the government, and then the First Amendment applies. Problem solved. No. Problem not solved. Government is not the answer. That is the answer of a statist, or not even a statist, or someone who is open to the idea of statism. That is not consistent with the idea of America. Government is not there to to give all these rights and and to, to expand its powers and to expand its reach and to be the moral arbiter of society and to decide whose rights are more important. The problem is you live in a system right now where there is too much government and where the lobbyists have too much power. And where being a big business is a decided market advantage. I want to explain a couple of industry terms to you. There are three businesses, types of businesses out there in any society. This is the same whether you're in Ireland, England, America, anywhere. And you're either described as one of the following. An early mover... A fast follower or a late follower. Now, these are very scientific terms and there's a lot of, you know, that you can go into in these. I'm just going to break it down to you very simple. The early mover is the first person. Think Bitcoin. We're first. Think of everybody in the media today. Everyone in the media wants to be the early mover. I don't care about being right. I care about being first. I want the headline. I want there to be out there saying, we got this story first. There's the fast follower. And the fast follower usually will look at what the early mover has done and approve upon it. Because no matter how much R&D you do or how many re- much research you do and how much I, you, know, you think your idea is perfect, everyone has an idea. And let's give everyone the benefit of doubt where it's like, you know what, they've done all the research. And they have this product and you're the early mover and you're the first to entry, you're first to market, and you think, I have this perfect product. Trust me when I say this. People will find flaws. People will find flaws. And even if it's not a flaw per se, even if it's just something they don't like, you think this idea is great, I'm going to put this new app on the phone, everyone's going to love it, and then everyone's, you know, that's a bunch of crap, I don't like that. It just happens. 
no matter how much planning you do, there will always be something you can improve upon. Even look at, and sometimes you'll improve upon it by yourself, by the way. You look at the first iPhone. You know, just look, if you want to just even, just side point, just see how much technology's changed. Go look at the tech specs of the first iPhone and now look at the iPhone ten. It's incredible. All the things you can do. Sometimes the 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 early mover and the fast follower can be the same because you're like, hey, we made this, now let's improve upon it. It's always that search for perfection. You look at razor blades. Razor blades used to be one, then it was two, then it was three, then it was four, then it was five. You're always trying to get better, you know, closer and closer to the skin. People do this all the time. And the late follower is someone who goes, I'm not going to be first, I'm going to be the best. Or I'm going to see every mistake you've made and improve upon it. And I want to know the idea works. I want to actually see people spend money. Because here's the other thing about research and development. You can do all the poll tests you want. Hey, we have this idea for this product. What Would you buy it? And what would you buy it for? Would you pay 100 bucks for this or 200 bucks? And people would say, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd pay 200 bucks for that. I love it. I think that's a great idea. There's a difference between saying to someone, yeah, I'd pay 200 bucks for that, and actually going, hey, here's 200 bucks. So sometimes the late follower is like, I, I think it's a great idea. I think we can approve upon it, but I want to see people spend money on it first. I want to see the market create. Why did I share this? I want to share this with you because I actually want to take you through what the problem in America is. You saw this in the banking industry with the crash in 2008, and you're seeing this problem now with Facebook. Those are the three companies. In the, let's just take Facebook and iTunes. To be a platform today, you're not going to be an early mover or even a fast follower. You're going to be a late follower. You're going to try and come. You're like, I think there's, I'm going to be a late follower. I think, you know, podcasts are growing through the roof. There's so many platforms. But then what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, well, what is the, is there a gap in the market? Now, if you're thinking about yourself as Facebook, you're thinking about iTunes, do you think there's a gap in the market? Just think of it from a conservative point of view. Can you imagine tomorrow if a platform launched, just, just with, this, with this tag alone, we're just as good as iTunes technology-wise, but we don't censor. Do you think that would be popular? Do you think that would go over well? Would you even look into that? I know if that came out, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to look into that. I'll see what it's like. We'll let anyone and everyone on. Why doesn't that happen? The truth is, if you were thinking about, let's just say a Facebook, let's just say a tech company, and you're going, we're going to set up this competition to iTunes or Facebook, whichever one you want to think of, whichever one you dislike the most, you might think, well, who's the first person you hire? You might hire some you know, people to, to look into your technology to make sure you have the tech specs to, to back up your claims, to make sure you're as quick and as fast and as reliable. You know, someone to download your servers, maybe. You might think of customer services. You might think of research and development to, to really hone your skills or, you know, a business guy to, you know, think about, you know, how you're going to make money. You might think of all these. Now, the first person you would have to hire, and probably the second, and maybe the third, and maybe even the fourth is your compliance officers. Because the truth about business today is, you know, you have all these people, you know, the innovation we talked about at the start of the show, the idea of America. Innovation today, it doesn't matter what you want to do. 
You could you could have t- tonight. Let me give you this example. Tonight you could go to bed and fall asleep, and God Himself could talk to you and say, "Hey, this is God speaking. I have this idea. You have to do this. You have to offer this product. And if you do build this component to this component to this component, and then you press play, boom." And it's this thing that the world has never seen before. And let's say because it's God speaking to you, let's, since, since we brought God into it, let's say it's the cure for cancer. If you mix this compound with this compound with this compound with this compound, you'll create a tablet, you let it freeze, you let it form, boom, you'll cure cancer, right? You wake up tomorrow and it's like, hey, I had this dream, God spoke to me last night, I found the cure for cancer. And you go to a business guy, hey, I need I need to make this happen. You know, even if you're most noble intent, I don't want to make money. God gave it to me. The cancer is a blight on this world. We need to get rid of it. I'm going to do it. Wonderful. That's great. Now let me tell you what you can do. But, but God gave me all... That's great. I'm glad God spoke to you. I hope you had a great conversation with God. There's the, I think called the FDA and regulations. I'm not going to tell you, it doesn't matter what you thought you want to do. I'm going to tell you what you can do. That's the problem that you have right now. There is a gap in the market right now on big businesses. But because big business over the years, true lobbyists, True, lobbying to get ra- rules and regulations to shut that barn door behind them. They all play the game, the statism game, where, look, well, we just need rules and regulations. We, we just want to protect the little guy. We just want to protect the customer. They're all, they all get those selling points. But what they're really doing is making sure they use rules and regulations to ensure there's no competitors. To ensure no small upstart comes and takes them by storm. They really have become too big to fail. You're going to see this in the next couple of months, by the way. Something to watch. If you're watching the news cycle, you're watching the news put pressure on Mark Zuckerberg about fake news. And eventually that's going to lead to regulations and rules passed. And if you think Mark Zuckerberg or Mark Zuckerberg's team is not going to be there, and is not going to hide some rules in there and regulations in there just to ensure he has no competitors, and they could be the most noblest rules, so you just can't do this. You know, you you have to have... It could be something like simple. Every comment needs to be monitored and regulated by and approved by a person. Imagine having a rule like that on Facebook. The first thing people would have to do after they hired the compliance person, people would be hire a customer services team to go through it and would have to have constant growth. Mark Zuckerberg can afford, probably pay, afford to pay for that because he's a billion-dollar company. It's worth a lot of money. Even though it's been wiped off the stock market in the last couple of weeks and gone down, it's still worth a lot of money. So watch for that when the fake news really starts to hit and that fake news debate hits. But the worrying thing about it is, because people say to me, okay, John, so how do you fix this? In your utopian free market world, how do you fix this? You fix this by actually embracing the market, free principles market, economics. And that is... Let the free market decide. Apple made a decision. Apple made a decision not to host Alex Jones. Now you have, as the individual and as people, have a you know a decision to make. Do you still use iTunes? 
Or do you go, you know what, we're not going to use iTunes. We're going to go to somewhere else. We're going to go to SoundCloud. We're going to go to, to iHeartRadio. We're going to go to Google Play. Ever who it is. That's the decision you have to make. Because the only way you get companies to change, and sometimes they don't change because they're willing to take the financial hit, is if you hurt their finances. If enough people left Facebook tomorrow, Mark Zuckerberg would change his tactics. He would actually have to because if enough people, because a lot of his stock market, and I'm not going to get too technical into this, but a lot of his analysis you know, for his stocks and when he makes all these stock calls, are most people, it's just a revenue and the profit. Mark Zuckerberg goes into detail about how much people spend, about how many people use this platform. So if, if a load of people... If even if you reckon there's how many people what 60 million people voted for Donald Trump if even 10% of those were really ticked off at Mark Zuckerberg and he lost 6 million Americans that would hurt his stock price if all those companies stopped spending money on advertising on Facebook that would hurt his stock price he would have to go whoa why did 6 million people delete Facebook and I'm only going 10%. Can you imagine if it was 50% of Donald Trump supporters? I'm not calling for this, by the way. I don't do boycotts. But this is I'm just explaining the, the free market solution to you. That is how you change companies if that's the road you want to travel. Now, some companies will go, you know what? The hell with you. I, I want to target to you know more liberal audience, and that's all I care about. Others, when they're listed on the stock exchange, it is a big weakness to them that if things like that and people get spooked by it, the market gets spooked, there's a big sell-off. So these are things you have to consider. I am a free market person as an individual. That is how I see the world. I believe in empowering you. I trust you to make the right decision. But I also, as much as I trust you, I'm not willing to impede on someone else's rights and say, you know what, you have to, you have to Google or uh, Apple, you have to listen to Alex Jones and let the people decide. In an ideal world, that sounds great. I would have that. And in an ideal world, not very many people would listen to Alex Jones because of his history. But when it comes to rules and regulations or deciding who's rights, I'm not for that, I'm sorry. I'm not going to join in on that game. And it was troubling this week to me, the amount of people who are so comfortable. I get if you have an opinion. If you, if you, by the way, if you listening to this have this opinion, like, I get everything you say, but I'm so feared a slippery slope of banning people that, you know, people, you know, they came for Alex Jones first and then they come for Glenn and then they come for other people and then they eventually they'll come for you, John, and then we're all silenced and who talks about the idea of America? I get that. What really upset me this week was the amount of people who just went there automatically. It just was so easy for them. Just because they don't like Apple or they don't think of a company having you know right to labor and right to keep your own labor and a right to say no, they just didn't even seem to consider that. It was just, Alex Jones has a right, let's just focus in on his rights. Well, if you want to be consistent and you want to have a discussion about principles, you have to discuss everyone's rights. And not just pick and choose. Because picking and choosing people's rights and which right we'll obey this time and and not next time, that's a very slippery slope as well. It's a very slippery slope if you pick and choose what rights you're okay with. And if it changes on the people involved. I know what I'm saying is not popular. I get that. I totally understand that. I'm about principles. 
I do share the same emotions. I'm very worried about the future. But here's the thing. If we actually have free market principles, there would be a company tomorrow targeting and catering to Alex Jones's audience. Say, come over here. Come give me your business. We'll have your show. Even if they don't support Alex Jones, they would do that. And the same with Glenn Beck or anyone else who's targeted. And I would say the same for our friends on the left. If it was Rachel Maddow or I'm trying to think of some of the liberal hosts. You know, Bob Beckel. Ever who the liberal shows are. I'd, be, I'd say the exact same. The Young Turks. I'd say the exact same. I'm for more voices, not less. But I'm not going to tell a company what they can and can't do. When you own a company, you have that right to decide how you want to operate. We're going to take one last quick break, America. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about an issue that I think needs to be addressed and needs to be discussed a lot more in society. Don't go anywhere, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. So now major companies like Starbucks routinely make million dollar decisions like their decision to ban plastic straws based on research data from fourth graders, which is, you know, great. And Starbucks has banned the plastic straw, which is also really good, except don't pat yourself on the back just yet, Starbucks, because the lid that you made to replace the evil straw is twice as bad. The Glenn Beck Program. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If nothing else, I hope it's given you plenty of food for thought. If you happen to listen on a platform like iTunes or Stitcher, please consider leaving us a review and give us a rating. It, it helps the algorithm with iTunes and with Stitcher, and it helps you get rated higher and, and listed higher. And we're, This show is growing each and every week, and I want to thank you for that, and I really appreciate your support. And Every time you share it with your family and friends, it's great. I want to finish up today's show by actually coming full circle. So we're talking about rights I always get frustrated when people say, I have a right to this on all sides. People love to say, I have all these rights. And one of the things that causes me the most trouble, or maybe not trouble isn't the right word, but most self-reflection is when I go, how can I change things? How can I actually make a positive impact in society? Because I'm always conscious of being an outsider, an Irishman. And I'm like, how can I share the idea of America with Americans as an Irishman? It's really hard at times. And I, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, I'm, this show's three years old. But I'm still growing as a person and growing as a, you know, performer, quote unquote. Um, to, you know, give you the best show possible. But to try and get you to spark that we can share this message. This message that is so amazing. It's so wonderful it's so different and unique with so many other people. There was a story on The Blaze this week that um, the Freedom Forum Institute did a poll and found that they found certain things. 23% of Americans believe the First Amendment goes too far. 74% of Americans disagreed. 
And maybe most troubling was 40% of people could not name even one First Amendment that it protects. One of First Amendment right it protects, sorry. Throughout the poll, and there was a 1,009 Americans surveyed, and only one of those 1,009 could recall all five freedoms protected under the First Amendment. The freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of the press, and the freedom to petition your government. Only one person out of 1,009 knew all five. What does that say about Americans today? And not necessarily what does it say about Americans, but how do we fix it? How do we share that message with people? And I don't want to share it in an angry way. I don't want to share it in a hateful way. I don't want to get into insults or, well, you're so dumb if you pick up a book. I don't want to do any of that. We need to have conversations. When I look online, especially over the last week, of all these people so fearful of Donald Trump, fearful of what Justice Kavanaugh would do, Fearful for what the military will do. How many? How do we change the focus in society? This is a question I've been trying to figure out, and I have never gotten anywhere near the answer. You know, the person who, and this could work for good or evil, you know, let's use the force. The person who manages to actually elicit such emotion as emotion like for hating on Ben Shapiro a couple of weeks ago, hating on Justice Kavanaugh, hating on uh, James Gunn because he got fired because of uh, and a few jokes he made like seven, eight years ago. If someone could elicit that kind of emotion and get that same amount of emotion true to the Constitution, true to freedom, true to the idea of America, It'd be an amazing time. We have to get the message out there. But we need to start looking at our own side, quote-unquote. Because I know a lot of people will have the good instinct, well, you know, well, of course, that you know, the 1,009 people, they're all Democrats, they're all liberals, they haven't got a clue, they're all hippies. It's easy to point the finger at the other side. I have friends on both sides of the aisle. You both do it. Want to know why I don't talk politics per se? What I define as politics? You know, the day-to-day grind in D.C. and elections and all that? It's because I'm sick and tired of the finger-wagging. I'm sick and tired of you both saying the same thing, just using different labels. And yes, you do say the same thing. This is the conversations I have in private with my friends who are on both sides of the aisle. My Republican friends are going to the left, the left, the Democrats, they suck, they're, they're all to blame, they're to blame for every problem in America, they, they're, they're horrible, they're a bunch of commos, commies. My friends on the right, oh, we need to stop the right, the right, the Democrat, the Republicans, they're all the problem, they've caused every problem under the sun, they, they, they just are, they're all just Satan, they're all a bunch of Nazis and KKK lovers. First of all, was there anything true in that? I have Democrat friends who are not communists. They might be somewhat socialist, 
They believe in a lot more government than I do, but you can have conversations with them. It's not about principles, it's more about policies. Is anything true about, are you the person they described? We can all point fingers at each other all day long. It's the easiest thing to do. The easiest thing to do is deflect, not look at you, not look inward and just point the finger at someone else and go, you're the problem. The truth of the matter, especially if you believe in the Constitution, is both sides suck. Both sides suck. There is not one person in D.C., I would say, has not violated their oath of office. And to defend, preserve, and protect the Constitution of the United States. Not one. I don't know one. There are people who do it a lot less. But if you voted for any budget in the last year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, you violated Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Full stop. You violated your oath. We can keep pointing the fingers... Or we can actually have real meaningful debates and we can start teaching people about how great America is, how great that idea is, how great the Constitution is, and how great the Bill of Rights is, of actual rights. Because here's the thing, and I want to finish up to get you thinking. How many people do you think that you would sit down with and pick from all sections of society, left to right, all different spectrums, and you go, you know what, look... It's not a Republican idea. It's not a liberal idea. It's not a Republican idea. Just this idea of freedom of speech. Do you think I have a right to tell you to shut up? And use that language. Say, do you think I have a right to silence you? No. How many people would go, yeah, you have a right to silence me? I don't know one. Now, if you phrase the question the other way, well, do you think you have a right to silence me? Of course they're going to say yes. But if you make it about them, they won't. Then you go, there, exactly. Exactly. I don't have a right to shut you up. I don't want to shut you up. So if I don't have a right to shut you up, you don't have a right to shut me up. Okay? Freedom of religion. That's the great thing about it. It's not to protect me going to church or you going to church. It's to protect everyone. If you don't want to go to church, you're free to do so. It's you're free from religion. You get to choose. If your church is worshipping a rock, go for it. You are free to do so. If you think that rock was was part of the meteor that supposedly created this earth five, five billion years ago, and it's the only piece of that meteor left, and it gives you magical powers, and you want to worship it, have at it. If you want to worship a little man with a belly called Buddha, go for it. You want to worship nobody, go for it. You have the freedom of religion. Do you think I have a right to inflict my God on you? No. Good. Then you don't have a right to inflict your views on me. There you go. There's freedom of religion sorted. Done. Do you know anybody who would disagree with that? The freedom to assemble. Hey, do you think I have a right to tell you who you can go out with? Or who you can assemble with? If you want to march and say something, do you think I have a right to tell you you can't? No? Good. Then you can't tell me who I can assemble with. Freedom of the press. Do I have a right do you do I have a right to tell you you can't say something and print something and write an article for someone if you want to go write an article for Slate magazine and say I you know I think Donald Trump is a Nazi do I have a right to tell you you can't do that Now there is different laws on that because that's um that's more uh that's slander but let's just take you know general term 
let's use Alex Jones since we talked about him earlier on. Do I have a right to tell Alex Jones he can't go run around 9-11 truther and all that crap that even though it's been proven? Nope. Good, then you can't tell me what I can say. If I want to do a show about the idea of America and the Constitution each and every week, you can't tell me what to do, right? Cool. To petition my government. Hey, if you don't like something the government's doing or it's not doing enough, do you think you have a right to petition it? Yeah. There you go. Perfect. So do I. If you phrase all of those, do you know anyone who would, if you sat down and had a reasonable conversation with no no ideas, no going, well, these are Republican ideas or these are the founders' ideas, just ask them the question. Do you know anyone who would say no? I don't. I don't know anyone who'd say no. Now, if you phrased them the wrong way, if you said, hey, I talk about the idea of America, do you think you have the right to tell me to shut up? I'm sure, I do know a couple of people go, yeah, I do. But if you phrase it in the right way and say, do you, do I have a right to tell you to shut up? They would say no. Do I have a right to silence you? No. If you make it about them, then I'm not saying you're going to get anywhere. But I'm trying to give you things of how we can talk to people to lay some groundwork. And there's the First Amendment. Five rights. Religion, speech, assembly, press, petition your governments. This isn't going to change overnight. This does not just go, oh, well, John said to do this and I did this and boom. What you have to understand is this is a lifelong journey. I hope that maybe if I'm lucky and I'm someone in my mid-30s, that if I live till the average age of a man who's probably about 84, 85, I have 50 years odd left in this world. If I'm lucky, I'll get to a point where we are freer than we are today. I might get to witness it, but the chances are I may not. Because the battle that's going on in the world is a world problem since day one. You're trying to rework the wheel. You're trying to get people to think a way that they have never seen the way of thinking before. This world is filled with statism. Now in America, while your founders and your history is about the idea of America, you have the propaganda, you have the education, you have the press, you have uh, the culture, you have the music, you have the movies, you have the video games, all teaching you be a socialist. Not about rights, it's about what you feel good. It's about postmodernism. Let's just take down the man. Everything our society was built upon, we hate. We're opposing that. You're not going to have a 5, 10, 20, 40 minute conversation with someone and remove all that propaganda. You've got to chip away at it, bit by bit by bit, and not lose your cool. It's a hard road. Trust me, I know. I talk to people online. It makes me want, I sometimes want to bang my head off a brick wall. And sometimes I bang my head off a desk or I throw a baseball at my hand. But you have to get through it. Because if we don't start talking about these rights where one person out of 1,009 Americans knew the five freedoms in the First Amendment, what other rights can you talk about? Rights are true your constitutional rights. You have constitutional rights. If you don't know them, then you can't talk to me about other rights. I hope this has given you something to think about, something to ponder about. Please consider sharing this show with your family and friends. And as always, we finish the show the way we do each and every week. By saluting the real heroes in society, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And by finishing up by saluting you, the American people. America is great because Americans are good. Never ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.